Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley. Each week, I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon preparation, and they'll share with us a few things that we didn't hear from the sermon on Sunday. Thanks for listening. Got it. All right. Warm up, warm up, warm up, warm up. That's just All a right. little, little treat for our listeners. <laughs> a little sneaky snack. A little sneaky, little, little sneaky <laughs> snack for you there. <laughs> All right, Joey. Um, yes. All right. Well, you wrapped up this entire this sub series, sub series number yes. three that we're in yes. for the Acts of the Spirit. So I'd like you to go ahead and just give a recap from your sermon on Sunday, and then if you wouldn't mind, just like remind us of that big picture of mm-hmm. the sub series that we've just completed, so that we can kind of uh, wrap it up in our minds as we move into Lent. You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. In fact, I'm going to tackle that question in reverse order because <gasps> perfect. This whole big subsection is from what was it roughly chapter five somewhere um now i'm flipping back eight. to the it, oh no? yeah 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 i think you're right um yes from eight so uh, we had the stoning of stephen in chapter seven and that persecution instigated by saul who later comes to faith in jesus we know him by, more by his uh, greek and roman name paul than his jewish name saul um mm-hmm. anyway that great persecution in eight one starts to scatter um, everyone across the region of Judea and Samaria. And so the scattering of the gospel, which back then we made a, a really strong point of saying like believers are never scattered. They're sown like seeds. Uh, it's the, it's an agricultural term that's being used for the scattering uh, that God is intentionally sowing us into different areas. And he's using this persecution and attacks on the church um, to spread people out. Um, and so throughout this whole section, we've watched people go, we've seen different people, you know, with a non-Jewish background or only a slightly Jewish background interacting with the the gospel, the good news that Israel's Messiah is Jesus and he's the Lord of the whole world, offers life to everyone in his name. Um, and this whole scattering has has caused the gospel to spread out into places they didn't expect. Uh, so we yeah. saw Peter and Cornelius, um, and we followed, you know, with Luke, we followed that thread all the way through to kind of its its conclusion at the end of chapter eleven, uh, or at least to a good stopping point where um, the whole Peter and Cornelius, the church among the Gentiles, now Antioch, a Gentile town, is is there's a huge church movement growing there, and we went. We saw Barnabas go back and get Saul out of his sort of self-imposed exile, if you want to call it that, for for ten years back in his hometown, as he was just working as a tent maker and thinking through all of this stuff theologically of how do Gentiles, Jews, how does this all work together and everything. Barnabas brings him back. He's teaching, and then there's a famine coming, so they raise some money and send it to Jerusalem. Then in chapter twelve, that ends this subsection. Luke rewound about five years in order to tell us what was going on. Meanwhile, you know, back in Jerusalem, right. and so we were we were seeing that scattering kind of come to its culmination in the first half of chapter twelve with Peter arrested, put in prison, miraculously rescued by God, and then he fades off the scene. He goes out into missionary work. Tradition tells us. Uh, and then, I mean, easily Luke could have ended the story right there, but he includes a last little bit about ultimately what happens to Herod. Herod is the kind of the main character in chapter 12. 
And it's his interaction yeah. with the church and then God's interaction with him in his judgment and death uh, that sort of mark the end of this phase of scattering. And now we're we're taking a break. We're going into Lent. Um, and so it's a natural time for us to pause for a bit uh, as we shift gears and lament. But when we come back, uh, we're going to be in uh, Acts chapter 13 which is yes. not just the beginning of the next section, but also most commentators split acts in half, uh, chapters one through 12, chapters 13 to the end. And so now we see the gospels turning to the Gentiles as the Jewish nation has rejected their own Messiah. Well, as Lord of the whole world, uh, the message of Jesus is now going to uh, going to the Gentiles. Okay, yes. And that's the title of our next subseries, which is Turning to the Gentiles. You know, yeah. I guess I should still summarize this last week's sermon uh, was really coming down to can the church trust that God will make things right, given what happens mm -hmm. in the first half of chapter 12 of one of the apostles is killed and others imprisoned. Okay, sure. God rescues Peter from prison. But is he going to do anything about Herod, about an unjust ruler who is attacking the church for his own political gain? Uh, well, that's where the end of chapter 12 comes in. And it's a fascinating story because, again, Luke could have just skipped it. We would have never known or noticed. It wouldn't yeah. have felt like anything was missing. Uh, and it's a story in which the church plays no role, no church leader. It's totally historical context that he's giving Totally us. historical context, exactly. Yeah. Um, but he's, I think, communicating and teaching a lesson here that no, God is the one who makes things right. And it's not mm -hmm. the church's responsibility to try to make things right. Uh, in the sermon, uh, I made a um, more so in second hour than first hour. I made a uh, an intentional effort to contrast the the idea, the difference between working and fighting. Mm. You know, we are we are called to work for the kingdom of God as little. You know, each church is a is an embassy, kind of an outpost from the kingdom of God, the future kingdom that is coming. We're called to work for the good of the city, the place to which we're called, not necessarily sure. to fight for the good of the place to which we're called. Now, working, fighting, the, there are probably some activities that I might call work that someone else might call fighting, or I might call fighting that someone else might call working. Uh, the point I was trying to make a little bit near the end is that, okay, God's going to make things right. That's not an excuse for laziness or for us to do nothing. We are called to work and trust and pray. Working and fighting, you know, words, Anna, my daughter was asking me about words the other day and we had this great conversation about how words have both a meaning and a feeling, you know, a denotation yeah. and a connotation, both what they yep. mean, but also kind of how they make you feel. And fighting feels very different than working. Yeah. You know, you, you don't, um, I didn't get a chance, I didn't take the time to develop this all that much in the sermon, but you don't go fight in your garden, you work in your garden. Right, because you're trying yeah. to cultivate something, not destroy something, <clears throat> or fight to protect something. Fighting is is not wrong, right? I'm not I'm not a pacifist, um, but part of what I was trying to get to in the introduction of the sermon too, and kind of the setting the whole thing up is that like as Americans, we our default is to fight, not to work. Oh yeah, that are. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, our default uh, reaction to difficulty is is to use words like fight for instead of work for. And mm -hmm. as Christians, we saw in chapter 12 that there's just a, a huge difference between the way, say, the people of, people of Tyre and Sidon respond to Herod's tyrannical power. Like they just submit, they roll over, they play dead, and they beg, you know, even to the point of blasphemy. Oh, you're like a god. Yeah. The church doesn't go the opposite 
route, which is use brute force and political manipulation to get what they want. We talked about that last week. Uh, there's a whole different third way that's nowhere on that spectrum of working, trusting, and praying rather than submitting or fighting. So that was kind of the main point of it was really okay. asking, especially as we come into this election year, um, not that we've ever really gotten a break from politics in the last probably eight years, but um, as it's going to ramp up in the next election year, um, the trial for the church in the States isn't going to be so much about what we do or don't do or how we vote. It's going to come down to how we feel about what's happening. And do we mm. trust that God will ultimately make things right, whether now or in the future? Mm. Um, do we, or do our anxieties overwhelm us because God's not doing what he needs to do and therefore I need to fight sure. or roll over and submit? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So fun, you know, two sermons in a row on politics. I was literally just going to say that you took her in the oh. mouth, two in a row, which like really we don't touch on politics um, hardly ever. So yeah, not yeah. a ton. I yeah. mean, no. most of scripture is not written to address the relationship of the church and the state. I mean, these two right. stories are very significant. That's a huge part of it. But most of the time it's like, hey, we live here. This is the world we live in. Let's get on with the mission of the gospel and yep. not try to go reform society or reform society through governmental means anyway yeah yeah but you went there um like were you like nervous at all knowing you had these you're like shoot uh the passage is clear and i know what i have to preach i wish i didn't have to or are you like this is so exciting to have the opportunity to speak into this mm. um maybe neither maybe somewhere in between mm. um not necessarily excited um, impassioned probably is a good word okay. for it. Um, and not like, oh, I don't want to address this or anything like that. It, it's sort of like, you know, Je pastor Jeff and I have talked about this a lot that there is a, there's a big difference between a, a prophet and a pastor that a prophet, a prophet's allegiance is to a message. And the prophet's call is to preach that message over and over and over, regardless uh, of the response by the community, which usually mm. means that profit it ends up needing a new audience yeah. regularly. Yeah. Um, a pastor's primary calling is to his flock, his people, specific people, individuals, not just people in general. And his calling is to speak the true message, but in a way at a time and at a pace with which his people can hear it. So his ultimate allegiance, and under both of these rubrics, you know, your ultimate allegiance is to God and to truth. Um, but a pastor has to communicate truth in a way that people can hear and respond to. So it wasn't so much that I was nervous about what I needed to say. I was nervous about saying it in a way that communicated to our people that, A, like, I'm in this mess just as much as you are. And like, I'm not excited to be here. And this is not fun. And- yeah. Um, B, like we are all trying to do our best. Like nobody's yeah. motives are evil here, whether in our congregation or outside of it. We're all trying to, you know, we're all trying to be part of making the world we live in more conducive to the flourishing of us, the people we care about and everyone in general. Mm. And yet also needing to bring some reality to the conversation of we are all being taken advantage of and manipulated and coerced and tried to convince that things are black and white and all that. So what if we went a different direction instead? 
And what if we went the direction of the kingdom of God instead? Yes. Okay. And I felt like that was, um, yeah, that just was, I think, summarizing like both last week and this week really yeah. well. Yeah. So, I mean, I encourage people, hey, if you've listened to one, but not both, um, like me, I heard the first yeah, one like and you. not this past weekend, so go, like, go back and listen to them. They are like good. They're complimentary to see like the whole picture. Right. Yeah. And if you only heard this one and not last one, then yeah, go back. Or if you're like you, you, you heard last week's, but not two days ago. Yeah. And uh, which is sad for me because I got to make fun of your home state of Wisconsin and you weren't there for me to There's rub There's just in. nothing to make so, fun of. It's the most glorious state in the whole country. Really? Really? What yeah. is the, let me ask you this question then. Um, what is the state rock of Wisconsin? Um, granite. Oh, granite. I don't know. Let, let's, let's look this up. State rock of Wisconsin. I'm asking almighty Google red granite state tree. No, come on. State tree. I don't, fifth grade state, uh, state government studies. Just bad. It's failing me. Mm -hmm, Mrs. Rosadowski. What did you do to me? I don't know. <laughs> Mrs. What? Rosadowski. Yeah. That's such a Wisconsin name. She was amazing. She's the best. Okay. So the reason I'm asking is because I started out the sermon by uh, talking about how I have never met anyone from any other state who is as obsessed with state civics as Iowans are. And my oh. sixth grade, Mr. Winthy's Iowa civics class, I remember so clearly the state bird is the Eastern goldfinch. The state rock is the geode. The state tree is the oak. The state song is sung to the tune of oh, uh, oh Christmas Tree. Wow. Like, I've got all this. Now, what's the Wisconsin state motto? Um, Moving forward. Yes. Now, see, here's, here's how I got to make fun of Wisconsin, because I got to talk about state mottos and how some of them are just statements of fact, like Indiana, Crossroads of America. Yeah. yeah. True, right? True. Some of yeah. them are statements of fact, but fancy, like Minnesota, which is L'Etoile du Lin Nord. Oh. The... Yes, uh, the North Star, land of the North Star or something like that. Star of the okay. North, star of the North. Some of some state models are aspirational and in Latin, like Kansas, ad aspera per astra, or ad astra per aspera to the stars through struggle or difficulty, okay. which I think refers to the fact that they don't have a, uh, a, a rocket launch site in Kansas because, mm. you know, they're still struggling with that part. Um, others are aspirational, but not quite as fancy like Wisconsin, which is just forward. <laughs> I got a pretty got a pretty good laugh out of that. Um, I don't know what's wrong with that. Progress. We all have progress. It's like growth mindset, which is like what uh -huh. we're all about these days. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. I don't see yeah, a problem well, with it. Well, you can go ahead and keep uh, telling yourself that because Iowa's state motto is a threat. Our liberties reprised and our rights we will maintain. Yeah. So it's strong. It is strong. Yeah, it's strong. It's strong. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And anyway, that attitude's not just. But is that like Iowa, fighting right? words? And Wisconsin is like working words. Just forward. We're just gonna work. Yeah. Push forward. So oh, I feel oh, like Wisconsin represents mm, your sermon better. Yours are fighting. So. We're working. Working forward. Yeah. I I assumed it was just plodding through those long dark winters. Is what they're talking about. Just like onward, forward. you know, it's like a rally cry. Onward, everybody. Well, then why didn't they use the word onward? Well, you know what? Because the know. best minds, didn't teach me that. The best minds in Wisconsin got together and they were like, we need to use a word that our people understand. Oh, we, uh, we're brilliant. 
and John Mark agrees. I see you're raising, raise up a child in the way he should go. <laughs> and which way should he go? Forward. Forward. <laughs> <laughs> Forward. Uh, well, so did we have any questions? Uh, okay, yes. <laughs> for, for cut for time? Okay, oh, so wait, before we get to questions, there is one thing I cut. Go for it. I, and I cut it because I, I hadn't developed it enough. I hadn't thought of it until I was driving to church in the morning. But yes. I did a quick search when I got here. In the English uh, English Standard Version translation of the New Testament, can you guess how many times the word fight is used? Mm. In just oh, the New Testament. Um, Like five. Yeah, nine. Okay. You know, um, twice Paul says, fight the good fight of faith and I have fought the good fight of faith. Uh, once he talks about fighting wild beasts in Ephesus, once he talks about um, how they were, um, you know, there's all sorts of stuff going on around them that was super frustrating, like people were fighting. James says, where do fights come from? They come from desires that war within you. And then in Revelation, fighting is used twice. Yeah. Guess how many times the word work is used? Oh, yeah. I mean, like I'd say like 50. Higher. Really? Okay. Yeah. A hundred. Higher. <gasps> Two hundred. Yeah. hundred and ninety-four. Wow. Okay. A hundred and ninety-four. And just skimming them, right? It's Jesus saying, uh, let your light shine so they can see your good works. Uh, mighty works, mighty works, mighty works, some that, that Jesus is doing. If we if we go, you know, if we skip the gospels and, and we go say even to Acts, uh Barnabas and Saul, set them apart for the work that I've called. Dorcas is full of good works. Um, I'm uh, Acts uh, 13. I'm doing work in your days. Uh, work that they had fulfilled. Gone with them to work. They worked. They're working. Each one is working. Um, you know, uh, Romans is using work in a more theological sense, but um, moving on to other letters like work, abound in the work of the Lord. Um, we need a wide door for effective work. It, it just, it was fascinating mm. to me. And again, I didn't get, you know, take the time to really develop it, but um even romans 10 um we are god's workmanship, workmanship. Mm -hmm. right um uh set a set apart ahead of time for good work just and this is this is bad bible interpretation which is why i'm not advocating okay. this but trace the theme you, you never count up words and then weigh them against each other is what i'm saying rather okay trace the theme through the new testament canon are christians called to fight or are we called to work mm. and over and over and over again we're we'll we are told to work yeah that makes sense um but we're americans so fight sounds louder yeah yeah stronger maybe yeah stronger i mean even on super bowl sunday right it, it fighting comes to the foreground, not just because they're battling it out on the gridiron, but because our the Super Bowl is one of our high national holidays. And how do we how do we kick off the Super Bowl? With the national anthem, which is a song about us triumphing in battle, and it culminates with a flyover by the Air Force or Navy, whoever's flying, um, right at the pivotal moment in order to remind ourselves we are the people who were forged in war and triumph in battle. We are the ones who fight, mm. mm -hmm. which is not the message of the kingdom of God. Yeah, We are not the ones who fight. We are the ones who turn the other cheek. 
we are the ones who love our enemies, who pray for those who persecute us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, oh man, it's yeah. so tough for those two things to live in the same person, you know, in me or in you or in anyone who's been listening to this. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's a good application also to just um, consider like what's my um, like reaction when things happen, like how do I react initially mm-hmm. and let that show you and tell you where your heart is. Right. Mm-hmm. And, hey. you know, I, I did see some of the questions we got and um, not fighting doesn't mean submitting and just rolling over. You know, working is on a whole different spectrum than the submit or fight spectrum. Uh, mm. I've got a book on my shelf. It's up there somewhere called Political Church by Jonathan Lehman. Highly recommend it. It's fascinating. It's pretty dense. It's kind of a technical book. But um, he argues that the church is not too political. He argues, yeah, the church isn't too political. It's not political enough, meaning we don't understand who we are as an embassy of, a, of the kingdom that is coming from the future. And we don't understand mm. that we are serving and living as representatives of a different kingdom living by a different mythology, a different, you know, origin story that is not about being, we are not a people forged in the fires of war. We are a people bound by the self-sacrifice of the one who brings us together. And that should have changed, absolutely changes the way we operate in this world and image the kingdom to come. But it doesn't mean that you know no Christian is able to serve in the armed forces or no Christian is able to actually fight like literally fight when unjust rule or oppression is happening or especially violent unjust rule and oppression is happening mm-hmm. um i was preaching the second sermon cognizant that some of our friends from ukraine were here this weekend and okay. would be hearing this very differently than americans would be hearing it given the present state of affairs in ukraine yeah. um so i think each of us has to wrestle with you know where where does fighting fit into the uh, plausible callings of a Christian? And the church has wrestled with it for two thousand years, everywhere from the pacifist extreme to the, hey, you know what? America is a Christian nation, and we can never do wrong. Uh, or Israel is a is a God's chosen people; they can never do wrong. And so, anytime America or Israel chooses to use violence, it's it's God ordained and God approved, yeah. right? Yeah. And those are those are extremes I would reject, uh, for sure. But um, Main point is, as much as we are able, we work until we're called on at the last resort to fight. I, I don't know yeah. if you're a big Lord of the Rings nerd. Um, like nerd, I am no, others. but have I seen the movies and enjoyed them? Yes. Oh, all right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't think this particular scene makes it into the movies, but there's a line in the book talking about, like, you remember the characters of Baromir and Faramir, these two brothers? Their dad is the steward of Gondor. You know, Gondor is this warrior nation essentially and Baromir is hailed as like he is the warrior the man's man the fighter and his younger brother Faramir who's always a disappointment to his father um Tolkien says specifically about Faramir that he he did not love the sword for its sharpness or the arrow for its swiftness he loved what those things protected mm. he loved just the the quiet days of working in the garden of family and of home and was willing to fight to protect those things, but didn't exalt Mm. in the fighting itself. Um, For him, the fighting was a means to an end, not the end in itself. And I think that's a a position that, Tolkien was devout Catholic, and so he was very informed by uh, Catholic social doctrine. Um, I think that's something wise for us uh, as 
citizens of the kingdom of God to consider. Yeah, no, I feel like that even just um, colors it even a little bit better of like, um, brings us even like more depth of understanding of your message, just that illustration. So I appreciate you sharing that. So we had a question from somebody um, who may or may not have heard the previous sermon. So it it might just bring everything all together here. Um, so can you talk about how wars, major injustice would fit similarly or differently into the framework you've been discussing? In other words, if there was something really evil happening, does God want Christians to fight for what's right compared to compared with an election cycle, for example? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think you've like really done a good job of addressing this all, but let's just, we'll just um, end it here with this question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think how I would try to wrap this all up is say that God is calling us to work for what's right, to trust that he will make all things right and to pray, uh, Lord, help me to be part of you making things right now or help me to be patient as I wait for you to make things right one day. And mm -hmm. that our working for making what's making things right may involve from time to time and with much prayer, it may actually involve fighting, but yeah. not the other way around. We shouldn't automatically assume we got to fight until things are good enough that we can just kind of relax and work. We should be working until there is no other option mm -hmm. but to fight. Yeah. When we um, pray the Lord's prayer and we say um, like on earth as it is in heaven, is right. that when we pray that, are you thinking like that's with work, like let it be done through these works? Uh, yes. You know, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven is both okay. a prayer and a promise. Uh, as some have said, it's the prayer that God will bring his kingdom back to earth. And it's the promise that as we wait, we will work to image that kingdom yeah, um, yeah. to build little versions of that kingdom, it, you know, and we're about as good as building images of that kingdom as a child is planning house. Right. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but we're practicing for the day when the kingdom comes. Yes. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Joey. Thanks for your time. And we look forward to our uh, upcoming luncheon series as well. Yeah. So we'll yeah. continue cut for time in that. Yeah, I think lamentations will be good. Uh, lament is a good tool for dealing with the grief that comes from living in a world where God has not yet made all things right. Mm-hmm. Well said. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithliveitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.